You're listening to one of the sermons preached from Shalom Baptist Chapel, recorded at one of our worship services. Well, glad to see all of you here, and uh, I pray that God will continue to speak to us as He has spoken to us through the songs just now. And I pray that uh, as we wrap up our uh, the sermon series that we are doing on Am I Following? Am I Following Jesus? Today I will wrap this up by sharing with you, you know, what is the practical step? Uh, how can we apply all that we have heard thus far? All right? So I'm excited to wrap this up. But before I do that, let me just go quickly uh, for the past three weeks what we have done so far, all right? If you remember, uh, we started by saying that Jesus invites everyone and anyone to follow Him, right? And that means that if you are an unbeliever, you don't believe in Jesus, oh well, <laughs> you, you don't get disqualified to follow Jesus. In fact, uh, being a an unbeliever is a prerequisite for you to follow Jesus. If you have unbeliefs, if you have doubts about Jesus, about God in your life, actually those are kind of prerequisites for you to follow Jesus because following Jesus always starts with some kind of information. All right, so that's what we began with. And remember the first week we dealt and the application was simply all of us, are at different stages in our lives with regards to following Jesus, right? Some are in the sitting, some are in the inconvenience, some are in the, you know, surrender one thing, surrender all thing. Whichever stage you are in, in following Jesus, the point is not where you are, although that's a very important question, but the more important thing is wherever you are, the point is that you and I got to take the next step. Because we can't just keep staying at one stage, we got to move on. So whatever that stage is, we got to always take the next step and follow. And then we said, in the following week, I said, you know, salvation will cost you nothing. Why? Because Jesus paid it all. Just the song we sang just right now, Jesus paid it all. And so salvation will cost you nothing. It is as easy as just believing what Jesus said, who He is, and you will be saved. Too good to be true? Yes. But is it true? Yes. Because that's, that's the only religion you will find, perhaps, in the whole wide world. Christianity will offer you salvation totally free. Not that it's free. <laughs> Nothing is free, is it, right? Because Jesus Christ took the penalty for us, and that's why salvation will cost you nothing. However, that's not what we were talking about. We talked about this one. Following Jesus on a daily basis will eventually cost you something. Because following Jesus is not, it's not easy. It's hard. In fact, Jesus said, if anyone wants to follow me, he must what? Deny himself, take up the cross and follow me. And remember, we saw from the life of the disciples, some of them were questioning, were doubting whether following Jesus is worth it. And that's what we do sometimes when we come in the crossroad, whether we should deny ourselves, say yes to Jesus, no to ourselves, but most of the time we are tempted to say yes to ourselves and no to Jesus. Jesus always seems to be coming in the way. 
But following Jesus, although it will cost us something, at the end of the day, we saw that it's worth it. Because Jesus is worth it. Then, last week we <laughs> talked about this, you know, about uh, you know, clicking the unfollow button. Remember Instagram, Facebook, all the what book and all those books, okay? And, uh, when, when you want to, you know, you don't like someone, you, you unfollow, right? And likewise, there are moments that we come across times when we want to also stop following Jesus. It's like, oh, it's too much. Oh, it doesn't make any difference. Oh, uh, there's so, so much doubt. Oh, this evolution theory, all this makes more sense. Oh, or I'm praying, but Jesus ain't showing up. Oh, just, just give it up. Just unfollow, you know, because it, it doesn't make, it seems to not make any difference, so you, you, you click the unfollow button. So there will be moments, some of you, you have that experience. For some of us, we will have that experience along the way in our walk with God, because life is hard. We have troubles in lives, we have trials in lives, we have temptations in life, we have transitions in life. And so those moments, those moments, there will be times that you and I will be tempted to also click the unfollow button because it's too much. But we, 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 we encourage ourselves yeah, yeah, last week, isn't it, by what, by what Peter replied to Jesus' question against his disciples. As many disciples were leaving Jesus, many disciples started to what? Stop following Jesus. And then the 12 disciples were also thinking to leave Jesus, stop following. And then Jesus turned to the disciples and said, you do not want to leave to do you? And of course, the disciples, they, they can't lie before Jesus. They know that Jesus knows their heart. And so at that moment, Peter, for the first time, he made it. And basically, Peter was saying, you know, Jesus, you got it right. We were thinking to live because it's hard. It doesn't make sense. You are saying crazy things. Who can follow? Who can accept such things? Yes, we want to live. But Peter said, to whom shall we go? And we say that, therefore, at moments when you come to the point to want to click the unfollow button to Jesus, we always ask this question, to whom shall we go? To whom shall I go? Well, fine, I want to stop following Jesus because it seems it doesn't make any difference. But then, before you click that button, always ask this question, to whom shall I go? If you don't have the answer, don't click the button. In line with this one, if not Jesus, the challenge is, then who? Who? If, 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 if Jesus is not Lord, then who? If Jesus is not Lord, the moment you and I said, no, Jesus is not God. Do you know what you are saying? You are also saying that someone else is Jesus, someone else is God. Or you may say, no, I don't believe in God in any way. I'm an atheist. Basically then, you are saying that you are the God. Because the moment you stop following Jesus, you are following something. If not Christianity, then what? If not Christianity, then what? What else? Where are you going to turn? And I hope that this is something that we are going to all ask authentically, critically. And until and unless we find the answers, we will not click the unfollow button. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> remember the religion that says that, you know, religion would say, change and join us. <laughs> right? Right? 
But Jesus is so different, isn't it? Jesus is the one who says, no, 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 no. Yes, all the religion will say that. You, you got to make your, you know, life straight. And then, you, then only you can join us. But Jesus is so different. Jesus said, no, that doesn't work with me. If you want to follow me, this is how you're going to follow me. You join me first. And along the way, you will change. Not like those religions, oh, you get yourself cleaned up first, then you join us. You be a good person to follow this religion. No, Jesus said, oh, as messed up as you are, as sinful as you are, with all your doubts, with all your sins, come to me. Come follow me. That has been the invitation. Because you don't need to be clean to follow me. You don't need to have all the answers to follow me. Just Follow me because when you do, you will change because I will change you. So in other words, following Jesus will change you. Following Jesus, if anyone truly follows Jesus, there can be, it cannot be that that person is not changed. Because Jesus said, follow me and I will make you. You see that? It's not that when we follow Jesus, we can change ourselves. No, that's not the deal here. But following Jesus, the deal is that when we follow Jesus, Jesus is the one that changes us. So if Jesus is truly God, then truly, if we follow him, he will change us. If you truly follow him, if you have been following him all these years, then there must be some change that you must be able to point it out. That means if you and I cannot say that if, if, if there is any change in me so far in my walk with God, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, then there is something wrong. It's either we really don't know what change we have, maybe we are forgetful people, or really there, there, there might be the possibility that there has been no change. And so there is a big question mark about how we are following Jesus, isn't it? Because Jesus said, you follow me, Surely I will change you. It's not about you. It's about me. I will change you if you follow me. And that means following Jesus will grow you spiritually mature. Do you know the capacity that God has given to you to grow spiritually? You will never imagine it. But that's the capacity that we have, given, we have been given by God. When God saved you, He has put the capacity, that, that potential in you and me to grow exponentially, to grow in a, such a way that when you turn back and you wouldn't even believe that it's you, that you have come thus far, you look at the mirror and you will go like, who is this person? No, that's not me. I am not so spiritually matured this way. But that is the potential that God has given to us to grow exponentially because Jesus said, I will make you a fisher of men. I will change you. So following Jesus, if you are truly following Jesus, you will grow. You will become a person who is deeper, who is better, who is finer. Just as, you know, uh, we always say, right, you go through fire, it becomes purer and purer. That's the whole idea. And that's why following Jesus is not easy. It's hard, but it, it refines you and me. It makes you a deeper, better, finer person. In other words, this church will become also deeper, better, and finer community of God. The people will see that these people, the world will see that these people are people of depth. 
that they are so deep in God, they are so deep in each other, they are so deep in their outreach, in their love for the world. In other words, what we are saying is, if you follow Jesus, <laughs> you are going to be like Jesus. I mean, if you follow Michael Jackson, you would, of course, you will pretend all this, and then you will have the movement, and then all this, you will make up everything like Michael Jackson. It's the same thing. The person you are kind of like, you give of yourself fully to follow someone, at the end of the day, you start imitating that person to the point that you become really like him or her. I mean, remember, you see all the, Mike, the fake Michael Jackson, right? Because they really follow. And some really like, Michael Jackson came back, uh, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> because they really look like Michael Jackson because they have been following. They look like Michael Jackson. That's the same concept. If you follow Jesus truly enough, you become more and more like Jesus. And that's why, remember in the membership session, the books that we have recommended? I still have it, okay? For those of you who have not asked me, please, I will send it to you. You just let me know. But it says, you know, the book says, you know, about church member that uh, something along the line that uh, now the world will know uh, what Jesus looks like. Meaning to say what? <laughs> the world will look at the church and the church is not the building, not this one. But you and I, when the world will see, they will see and they will understand who Jesus is because you and I are supposed to reflect Jesus. Why? Because we are followers of Jesus. Christian, Christian means followers of Jesus. We are following the ways, the, 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 the values, everything about Jesus. So if we are truly following Jesus, we will be more like Jesus. We will change. We will grow. And the big question is, but how? How is that even possible? Or in other words, how can we follow Jesus in such a way that truly following him will change you, grow you, become a deeper, better, and finer person. How? That's a big question, isn't it? Because there are ways that we can follow, but we may not be doing or following the right way. It's always, there is always, you know, in life there are many things about right and wrong, ways. Of course, there are some aspects there are no right and wrong. It's better, it's, it's more of which one is better. But, but there are many things in life also, you know, which right and wrong. So the question is how? How can we follow Jesus in a way, in such a way that we will truly, you will truly grow, you will truly change? Now, if you, let me, let me put it this way. If you want to do some construction, foundation, or build something, uh, if you want to ask anything about engineering stuff in Shalom, who will you go to? Who will you ask? <laughs> yes, brother Chua. He is the engineer, okay? And, and if, if <laughs> and of course, Jeremy as well now. Huh? <laughs> oh, no, no, not yet. He's very humble. He's very humble. Good, good for your soul. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, how about if uh, you, you want to ask about your health condition? You have some sickness and ill. In church, who would you ask? Uh, the doctors, Lydia, Gary Gu, and uh, Tia, Tia, Tia. Uh, sister, even the nurse, right? Me, sister Mehua, and so on and so forth, right? Uh, any nutritionist here? No. <laughs> yes. And so when we ask this question, hey, how is there is there a way that we can follow Jesus a, a, such a, in such a way that really will grow you and change you? Well, ask the experts, isn't it? Ask the ones 
who have followed him in the first place. As the ones who were with Jesus eyeballs to eyeballs, shoulder to shoulder, day and night they were with Jesus. So as the early disciples of Jesus, especially the 12 apostles of Jesus, because they were Jesus and they knew what following Jesus is all about. And guess what? The, the, the apostles of Jesus, they wrote letters to the churches because the churches were trying to figure out, okay, fine, Jesus is the way we are called to follow Jesus, but how are we supposed to follow Jesus? And some churches, in fact, many churches didn't get it right. For those churches, they started to build, and that's why all these letters by the apostles, which we call the New Testament letters and epistles, all these letters came about because the apostles of Jesus got it right and were about to, and were telling the churches how they should or they ought to follow Jesus in such a way that following Jesus, they will really change, they will really grow, become a deeper, better, and finer person, and people group. And so we asked them, we asked Apostle Paul, Apostle Peter, John, Peter, Andrew, and so on and so forth. Are you ready for this one? Because I'm going to go rapid fire. Ready? You're not ready, ready? Yeah. All right, here we go. Go. Love one another, serve one another, accept one another, strengthen one another. You want to join with me? Help one another, encourage one another, care for one another, forgive one another, submit to one another, commit to one another, be devoted to one another, be patient with one another, build trust with one another. Whew. Catch breath. Okay, go continue on. Be interested in one another. Be accountable to one another. Oh, not yet. Be confessed to one another. Live in harmony with one another. Instruct with one another. Comfort one another. Carry one another's burden. Okay, time's out. You, I think I better stop here. Is that okay? But you know, there are many, you know, there are many more. I leave it to you, okay? <laughs> I leave it to you. But basically, okay, it's one another. Now, do you know in Greek word, it's not two words, it's only one word, alelon. Ah, see, shaloma, you guys are Greek scholars. You, have, you, you really know a lot of Greek words. <laughs> so today you learn again another word, alelon. Alelon is the Greek word for one another, and it's only one word. So, the answer to the question, how can we follow Jesus in such a way that you will change, you will grow, become a deeper, finer, better person by one anothering one another. Let's say this one together. One, two, three. By one anothering one another. Now look at your neighbors and say, one, two, go. By one anothering one another. Amen. There you go. We are there. Hey, give yourself a clap, please. Come on. <laughs> Wonderful. Yes. That's the way we follow Jesus in such a way that we, you will grow. You will change by one anothering, one another. And one anothering, one another is basically about relationships. It's about life on life. It's not something else. Oh, you wait. You, you think this is, the, this is the punch? No, no, no. Okay, there's something, it's going to come something, that's, that it will come uh, soon, all right? Just, just hang, hang, hang in there. But, but this is the key. So one anothering one another is all about relationship because you cannot, you cannot have the one anothering one another if there is no relationship, okay? Now, <clears throat> here is something that I'm going to say. I don't know whether this will startle you, 
Okay, if it doesn't, that's good. If it does, I hope it's something that will challenge you. Following Jesus in a way that will change you is by one anothering one another. And so it's about relationship, it's life on life. And so do you know where does this one anothering one another takes place the best? Where? It is the church. No one is surprised. That is very good. See, you all are very smart people. You know, let's pray and close this service, you know. Really, yes, you got it. The best place that one anothering one another takes place in the church. And the church, by church, I don't mean a place of worship. Yes, the English word church is a derivative from a German word which means house of the Lord. Poor translation. But Jesus didn't say house of worship. Jesus said, people, I will build my ecclesia, a gathering, called out people, a congregation, a people, not a place. So, the church is the place where one another and one another takes place. But, now here is the shocker. What's that? Everybody read. One to go. Yes, not pews, not in pews, not here, but in circles. <laughs> one another in one another, the best place that takes place is not the pews, it's in circles. And that's why circles are better than pews. So we should throw away all the pews, right? No, that's not the point. <laughs> that's not the point. I know some of you are thinking, so should we throw away before he ends the sermon? Let's throw away all the pews. No, that's not the point. The point is this one. In pews, by pews, I mean this gathering. Every Sunday morning worship gathering, this is the pews. And because when you come on Sunday worship service, you come, you sit down, and you just shut your mouth. After we sing songs, after we read the Bible verse, and then the rest of the mo mo um, for the rest of the time, you are just there sitting and looking in front, the one who is up here and the ones who are in front of you, you, you see all their backs and you know whether that person is old or young by how, you know, the hair and all those, you know, right? What I'm saying. But basically, one anothering does not take plays the best in the pews on Sunday. Well, but we can serve one another, isn't it? Yes, you are right. We can serve one another. For example, the ushers are serving. Later, I will be asking again for volunteers for our board election. Yes, but majority are not serving. They are serving us. They are teaching in the Sunday school in the morning. Yes, we are serving. We are teaching one another. But it's only a few who are doing the mo more. Most of us are just sitting. Most of us are on the recipient end. Not the ones who are serving. Not the ones who are doing the one anothering thing. So I'm not saying that the pews means Sunday morning worship service is not good. No, I'm not saying that. In fact, the life of the church is this. 
part of the life of the church is pews that we all come together, sit, nobody knows each other, nobody knows how we are doing, because why? Because Sunday morning worship service, we all can put the best act that we can, isn't it? I mean, on your way, your whole family will be quarreling in the car or MRT. But once you reach here, okay, straighten up everybody. Hey, hi, good morning, yeah, how are you? Oh, fantastic, yeah, praise the Lord, whatever. And then once the service ends, okay, let's continue. Why, you know? <laughs> you know? Because nobody knows you, you are just coming, you sit in the pew, but in the circle is something else, it's a totally different ball game. In the circle is where we come together on a regular basis, a small group of people, someone's gathered three, four to 10 to 12 people gather that we come and when we sit together, usually how we sit? We sit in a circle, almost a circle. And where we can see each other, our emotions, and I can say, hey Gina, you're not doing good today. How do you know? Your face is so long, you know, the kind of thing. You, you look so tired, you know. And that's how we, we, we do life. We do the one anothering thing. That's the platform we best exercise the one anothering one another. That's the way we have to follow Jesus if we want to change, if you want to grow. Okay, let me give you an example, okay? Let's read this together. One to go. Carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the requirements of the law of Christ. Carry one another's burden. Now, if you want to carry one another's burden, what do you need to know? <laughs> I like that answer. Thank you very much. If you want to carry one another's burden, you must know how heavy that person is. So you better don't go the big size people in the congregation. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's not the point. But thank you. That was quite entertaining for me. <laughs> but for you to carry one another's burden, you need to know the burden of that person. So this is not the best place you get to know. We come here for gathering. We come here for worship. Of course, on a, on, a, on a surface level, on a shallow level, for some of us who are close, we talk about our struggles, but it's just as shallow as it is because you can only go that deep because the time doesn't permit. Because Sunday worship gathering is for us to really worship together, to praise together our God and Almighty. So how can we have time to really get to know each other, our burdens, our struggles? That cannot be happening now. This one is quite interesting. Everybody want to go? Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Okay, everybody will stand and turn to each other and we will apply this one. We will confess our sin, the deepest secret sins that you have nobody knows. And then we will share and then we will forgive one another. Is that Okay. <laughs> exactly okay the, the point is this one all right i mean we all have weakness we all know that we all are messed up people aren't we anybody think that you are not a messed up people here a, a, a person yes everybody knows everybody has a problem but just because everybody knows and we acknowledge that everybody has a problem and everybody uh, uh, knows and there is no hiding, that, that doesn't mean that you go around sharing your trust problems, sharing your secret sins to the whole wide world, do you? You don't because that's being foolish, right? But you see, here the Bible gives us an injunction. You know who wrote this? James, whose brother? Jesus. 
He was the pastor and he wrote this. You know what? The church life is gonna, must be this, that you all confess your sins to one another. Now, Jesus' brother, how can he go wrong about how to follow Jesus? Correct or not? Come on. Jesus' own brother wrote this, that this is the way you follow Jesus as a group of people. But you see, the fact is this, it happens in church, but not in pews on Sunday morning services, but in the circle. So that's the point. <clears throat> now, there's this uh, person, uh, Gilbert, um, I don't know, Bile or Billy Z. Kian. Uh, this guy, he's a um, French, German or French-American uh, Christian writer and author. Uh, he was, he was a co-founder with uh, this guy, Bill Hybels. Anybody knows B. Hybels? Yes. The church uh, is Willow Creek Church, very famous. Okay, uh, really, I mean, in terms of they grew a lot. And so he was co-founder uh, co with Bill Hybels. See, everybody knows Bill Hybels, but nobody knows him. But you know what? He has a big role to play in that. All right? But this guy who has been expert in about church and how, about how church can follow together, he wrote this, and I tell you, it amazed me. So this guy said this about small group. Circle life. It says this, it is in small groups that people can get close enough to know each other, to care and share, to challenge and support, to confide and confess, to forgive and be forgiven, to laugh and to weep together, to be accountable to each other, to watch over each other, and to grow together. Personal growth does not happen in isolation. Amen to that. You, we all know that. It is the result of interactive relationship. It is not just relationship because you and I, we can have relationship, but our relationships can be just very casual. It can be just on the surface level, but following Jesus cannot be a relationship with one another on the surface level. It must go deep. And that's why I like this term, interactive relationships. And the best way to have the interactive relationship is not here. It's not pews. It's not on Sunday morning. It's in the circles, small circles, with a small group of people that you commit to share the deepest thing of your life, of your struggle, of your journey, because that's what will keep you sane. <laughs> oh, he hasn't ended. He says, small groups are God's gift. <laughs> wow. When I saw this, I was like, really? Wow. Small groups are God's gift to foster changes in character and spiritual growth. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the whole chase of, 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 of following Jesus in such a way that he will change you and grow you, that you will become a better deeper and finer person. Now, I will invite a brother now. Uh, I have already shown you one brother who wrote about the effectiveness and, 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 and the blessedness of having, uh, doing life in, 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 in circles. Now I want to invite one more. And instead of showing what he says, I think it's good that on, you know, life, he will share with you his uh, personal experience about being in a circle not just in, in pews, but also doing life in circles. Let's hear his personal experience, and I will call him up to come, and he will introduce himself to us, and we'll share 
a bit of his experience. Yes. Right. Uh, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Um, sorry, brothers and sisters. <laughs> uh, my name is Gary, and I'm here to share my uh, personal experience in joining small groups. Uh, but I need your help. Um, as one of the core values, joining a small group is being honest and authentic. I'm going to share my experience honestly, unedited, and from the bottom of my heart. So if my experience resonates with yours, um, Please nod your head so that I know uh, that is what your guys are going through as well. And if it doesn't, and if you agree, disagree with my experience, please don't shake your head. Uh, <laughs> instead, like grab your chin or scratch your head, something, so that I, I get to know it as well. Okay? So uh, let's go. In the beginning, uh, I was invited to join uh, Pastor Ayan's small group together with eight other members and their Gina, Sue, Shamani, Chacha, Chiawei, uh, Isaac, and Gary Gu. The objective was very simple. Gather on every Thursday evening, do life together, and apply God's word in your life. But I got better things to do, like uh, clearing off my backlog of work, um, doing my laundry, clearing off my uh, errands, uh, getting my grocery done, or even simply just catch up on my sleep. Following Jesus uh, cost me Thursday evening is too much for me. Then Pastor Ayan said, there will be food after the small group session. So I joined. <laughs> and we begin. In the beginning, uh, Pastor Ayan has a preset agenda for us to go through, from uh, worshipping, uh, to sharing, uh, reflecting on a past sermon, and then uh, sharing our high points and low points, and then ending with a prayer request. Good. And even each of us has a role to play, from uh, selecting the worship song, from um, consolidating the prayer request. Fantastic. But initially, we were all very shy, cautious, and formal to each other. During the uh, sharing session, it usually ends up with I should read the Bible more. I should pray more. I should uh, schedule more quiet time. Very formal. It was until Pastor Ayan took the initiative to share his personal struggle with us and request us to pray for him. That is where I realized that, oh, Pastor Ayan is a human after all. And following, following God's word can be a real struggle even for a mature Christian. And it takes real courage to share your struggles in front of everyone. And I love Pastor Ayan uh, even more after that night, and the ice began to melt. As those who know me uh, personally, I'm a man of few words. I don't really talk much uh, to anyone. Um, so sharing my personal struggle doesn't come naturally for me. It wasn't until that night when um, one of our dearest sister came and shared with us her deepest struggle and secrets. Not something that you would share to anyone, but unless it's someone you trust to keep your secret and still love you regardless, despite of what you shared. Well, after hearing the sharing, I, I had a mixed feeling. First, I felt 
excited, joy, happy that, wow, um, this sister decided to trust us, allow us to embrace her, keep her secrets, and love her in any way that we can. But at the same time, I was very sad and hurt because in front of us is a sister sitting down there trying to share her struggles, trying to hold back her tears, and even trying to crack a few jokes uh, to us because they, she wants to enlighten us because we were very worried and very sad. How caring is she? That night was particularly memorable and magical because that night was probably the most quiet night, but it, the lesson was also the loudest. I learned that from this dear sister, I learned that sharing your struggles doesn't mean that you are weak. It just means that you are being authentic and brave enough, courageous enough to embrace yourself in terms of strength and weaknesses. Sharing your struggles doesn't mean that you are adding burden to the listeners, but in fact, it is an opportunity for the listeners to love you um, deeply, the greatest gift God gave us, how to love one another. So from there on, I started to share more. I started to be more authentic and open up my life to the small group. And it just gets better. Now, speaking about struggles, I need to confess with everyone that um, my attendance to small group hasn't been really great. All right? The reason changes from seasons to seasons. Sometimes I may feel that ah, I had a very particularly uh, lousy day. I feel very low and I don't want to bring my negative energy to the small group. So I decided not to go. I feel that I'm a burden to the small group. No, better don't go. Sometimes I just feel that I don't have much to say. I don't have anything to contribute. So yeah, I, I may be a burden to the team, so I decided not to go. Or sometimes I just feel tired, so I decided not to go. But not that night. During a period where one of our dear brother is uh, working on his housemanship in hospital, a period known to be having ridiculously long working hours and short rest period of time, as a small group, we understand that if he doesn't turn up, we understand that it's either he's working or he needed his overdue rest. But not that night. I remember very clearly. He had to go to the hospital like um, at 10 or 11 o'clock in the evening, but yet he turns up. I never knew how much I miss him until I saw him entering the house. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw light coming from his back when he enters the house, and I can feel my tears streaming across my cheek, or at least that is what I imagine. <laughs> so that night, he came. He was tired. While he was tired sitting down there, I remember we were all rejoicing. He didn't say much, but we were all just celebrating. I, I can see that inside our heart, we were very happy 
because usually for small group on uh, Thursday evening, it's either after study or after work. Everyone is very tired. When we, I would say, really drag our body to Pastor Ian's house, our eyes were almost shut. But that night, no. When we saw him, we were all rejoicing. That is where I learned that um, do not underestimate your presence. Even though you are just quietly sitting down there, you may not know that the other small group members may be seeing light coming from the back of you and they may imagine themselves crying. <laughs> Another lesson that I learned from this small group is commitment and priority. Now, again, I have to confess that I often took these two members for granted in my small group namely Pastor Ian and Gina. Every Thursday morning, Pastor Ian would actually text us in our small group WhatsApp on his daily devotion, graciously reminding us on God's word and graciously reminding us that tonight is DG. But poor thing, often there will be a long silence after his message. I tend to believe that all the members are struggling hard to decide on whether can they uh, make it to the DG, I mean, small group, including yours truly. <laughs> then there will be a message popping up. I will be there, full stop. And I look at the message, it's from Gina. I say I took for granted is because when, often when I look at this message, we will say, what do you expect? It's Gina after all. <laughs> But then I learned something. This I will be there, it doesn't just appear once. It almost appears every week without fail. And then I also noticed that she doesn't come without challenges though. Sometimes I remember she had assignments to submit on Friday morning and she would bring her assignment to small group session and do it before the small group session start. One start, she will focus on a small group. After that, she will rush back home to continue her assignment. Sometimes, she would be elsewhere, um, away from Pastor Ian's house, and she would actually take a cab all the way down to Pastor Ian's house, be it late. Sometimes, she has early appointments the next day, and I noticed that after a small group session, she would take cab, rush back home, but never miss a small group. Does it come easily? I don't think so. She has her own challenge. This is why I learned, this is what I learned from this small group. So I want to thank Gina and Pastor Ians also for the message. So from here, what I learned also is that although the message can be short, it may make impact to others. So do not underestimate our replies. And often, I'm not sure if you guys had this experience, but if you guys ever type a WhatsApp message and never press the send button because you are figuring out whether can you go, and 
well, Gina's message, I will be there, really brings a lot of enthusiasm for me because she did it every week. And in Hokkien, I call it si zai, like, wow, <laughs> steady. You do it not only one week, but many, many weeks. So if you go, okay, on, I'll join as, as well. <laughs> and often I found that I never uh, regret attending uh, the small group session afterwards. So this is what I'm grateful for, for uh, the small group members. So these are some of my personal experience joining uh, the small group session. I believe this is just my beginning and um, I'm looking forward to continue improving. So for those uh, members who has been regularly attending small group session, I thank you for sacrificing your time to be attending to other people's life and allowing others to attend to your life. For those who hasn't joined any uh, small group, I recommend you to join because like a good wine, it only gets better with time. And for those who has been missing uh, from small group session, I would like to quote a phrase usually appears during festive seasons. Please come back home for a reunion. <laughs> Brother and sisters, miss you. Thank you. Give it up for Gary. Yes. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, so encouraging. And uh, thank you. Thank you, Gary, Dave, for sharing your experience with us. And even in the small groups, thank you for really opening your life as well. He didn't say about his sharing, but he also really shares. And uh, God knows how we are blessed by his life with us. So, let me conclude this way, brothers and sisters in Christ. <clears throat> Make circles, not pews, the primary activity of your church life. That, that's basically what I'm trying to tell all of us. Make circles, the small groups, not, not pews here, the Sunday gathering. This is good. And I'm not saying that you stop coming. You don't be regular on Sundays. No, that's not the point. My point is to make circle life, group life, the primary activity of your church life. Because you know, if you are a Christian, and all these years you have been making the pews, Sunday gatherings, your primary activity of your church life, then can I tell you something? that actually you have been missing something greater that God has placed for each one of us. And guess what? This is also one of the reasons that some people, so-called Christians, they get fed up with God because their life has always been about the pews on Sundays. Imagine if your parents, imagine if your friends, imagine if you yourself have been in the circle life from day one. How would your life be today? Gary Tay has been just for a few months, but the impact that he has received, that's the power of circle life. That's actually the apostles 
who said, do this one another, one another, confess one another, bless one another, encourage one another. All this one anothering one another can only take place the best in the circle life, in the group life. And so here is the challenge. Make group life the primary activity of your church life and not the secondary so that you will see change in yourself, so that we will see change in ourselves. Now, as Gary Tay has said, challenges, oh yeah, you bet there will be challenges. Remember in the first sermon of this series that I said that there are some of us, and in fact, many of us are in the inconvenience stage of following Jesus. Because we don't want to bring anything inconvenience in following Jesus. Right? To be honest, we want to control our schedule. We want to let our uh, family schedules, because I know I am a family, I know what it means to be busy as a family with young children. I know that you know, and I know that you know, for those of you who have grown, you know, and your children are grown up, you have experience, I know, and we know all that. But you see, following Jesus, that's the point. There will be moments where we have to deny ourselves, deny our schedules, and say yes to Jesus, following Jesus through one anothering, and that's in the circle life. It's going to cost us something. Yes, it's going to cost us something, but it's going to be worth it because that's the only way to follow Jesus. That will change you. That will grow you. That will make you a person that is deeper, better, and finer. So there will be challenges. But it's worth it. If you ask those people who are attending, those who are faithfully attending, those who are open-minded and allowing God to use those platforms to speak to them, you will hear them say, yes, it's worth it. And I tell you, it's going to be worth it because we are not following one another. We are following Jesus together. And that's the best journey we can ever have. So, make a group life the primary activity of your church life, not secondary, because that's the only way we can follow Jesus in a way that will grow you, that will change you, that will make you better, finer, and deeper. And that's by one anothering one another in the circle life. So, may the Lord help us and guide us in this. With that said, we have been, the pastoral team and some of the leaders, we have been praying and uh, reviewing and thinking about our small group life in church. And this is where I really give credit to our dear, beloved Pastor Anthony. I still remember those days that he said to me, you know, Ayan, the way to grow the church is small group. The way to grow the church is not to be a church with small groups, but is to be a church of small groups. Some of you remember that. Some of you remember that. I see you nodding because we were together in the team. And guess what? Do you still remember early morning we used to go and meet up together to pray about this? And it's kind of like just gets me a goosebump when I think of those moments. And I think this is where I miss Pastor Anthony. And, and I thank God for him. And you know what? Come to think of it, I'm not trying to play with your emotion, but because he, get it, he got it right. 
And if we truly love him, I think honor him, and I think we want to really honor him, which we want to, I think. I think one way is to really follow the path that he got it right, and that's to be really a church of small groups. Yes, along the way, we have challenges. You see, we, we got it, but it's, it's a big challenge. It's not only for those members to attend, but it's also for those leaders who are trying to organize. It's so hard. But we kind of get that vision, and that vision was brought alive last year. And this year, we tried to put, and finally, we could bring some people together and to reignite that fire, to reignite the group life in Shalom Baptist Chapel. And I hope you will be excited. I hope you will say, you know what? All right. That's the way to follow Jesus, to grow, to change me by one anothering in circle life. All right. I'm in. I'm in. Inconvenience? Yes, there will be. But I'm in. I hear so, so good things. I, I'm going to be in. And this is what I see from the apostles of Jesus Christ. I'm in. And I hope. We will all. And when we struggle, we encourage one another. It's going to be a safe place. We're going to renew. We're going to make it together better. And so with that, I will tell you, on the 15th of April, on the 15th of April, which is the third Sunday of April, we are going to have some kind of a launch to kind of get every one of us in the circle life in the group life whether you like it or not whether you are up to or not that's up to you but on the leadership level we will put your name in a group and it's your choice because following Jesus is your choice but for us as leaders we want this church to grow we want to follow Jesus in such a way that will grow us that will change us that will make us a better deeper and finer people. So look forward for that, the 15th of April, which is coming soon in three weeks' time. So let us um, commit ourselves as we prepare to hear this song that I want to play after I pray. Come, Father, we thank you so much for this time that you have given to us. Thank you for reminding us uh, the primary activity that you have called us to, one anothering one another which is the best way, Lord, that you have brought us to, again, reminder, and not in pews, but in circles. Help us, therefore, Lord, that you will work in our hearts, and you will stir our spirit to bring us together and do life together in groups so that we can see change, we can see growth, we can see ourselves becoming a deeper, better, and finer group of people for your glory and for the good of the people around us. So help us, O God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There is this song called Lean On Me. It's not a worship song, <laughs> but uh, I think the lyrics is fantastic. It's going to really encourage you. It's, gonna, it's just talking about group life together, having someones in your life together, all right? Luther, are you ready?